It is, it's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, the king of all gambling. Well, no, that actually, well, that sounds a bit pretentious, doesn't it? Um, the crown prince of gambling. No, no, that's uh, that's uh, probably copyrighted uh, for a certain villain. Oh, geez. Um, you know, look, let's be honest. Just a guy who learned a lot about gambling over the years trying to share what works for him. Welcome to episode 52 of our Casino Combat Podcast, where many things are spelled with a K. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's dive right in and get started after this. Gentlemen, ladies, non-binary persons, Mia and the Ghost Duck preparing to migrate. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone future results including my own if you have a gambling problem contact your local problem gambling hotline if you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline send an email to help at casinocombat.com we will have that information for you and we will make it available to you everything i'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty minor items unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity Okay, well, that was pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I guess a year of practicing that, I, I finally could do it in one take and fairly well. <laughs> Until next week. Watch me bumble through it next week. As I said, as I said, as I always say, welcome everyone. I uh, I can't believe I've made it through 52 episodes. This is uh, this is really kind of neat. Can't believe we've, we've been doing this for a whole year now, some of us. Uh, what, a, uh, what a long, strange trip it has been and uh, what a strange trip it will continue to be, I'm sure. If you've listened before, thank you for being here again. If this is your first time, thanks for giving this a try. I'll try to teach you something about being good at casino gambling today as part of this episode. And I'll share a story or two about gambling with you as well. If you're new to the podcast and you want to get up to speed on the core concepts of casino combat, the pillars of excellence of execution in casino gambling, I have a playlist on the Casino Combat YouTube page called Boot Camp. Camp spelled with a K, not a C. The Boot Camp playlist is a short set of conversations about each of the core concepts in detail, without jokes, and with as few stories as I can fit in. You can listen to the entire thing and understand the basics of good casino gambling in less than 90 minutes. A big thank you to Billy with the great last name and T-Rex for taking care of not only YouTube, but also our social media accounts. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find the information to find us in social media at the top of the Casino Combat website. Casino Combat. Combat is spelled with a K. Today, we will, of course, have a travel segment to discuss results and observations from this past week's gambling. And as always, we will finish up in the VIP lounge with a quick story where I actually got permission to be very literally a, a crook. And uh, and so we'll do that to wrap things up. Before we get to that, I received a very perceptive question about my slot strategy this week. So we will do a questions my sons asked segment and discuss that. I watched a blackjack train wreck so awesome this weekend that I thought I would do a core concept segment to tell you about it and to use it as an illustration of what not to do. I'm also going to do a quick moment of Casino Wisdom today and look at choosing between Casino Wisdoms 22 and 23 using an example from the weekend. So five segments this week. That should be uh, enough to keep us very busy. Before I get to any and all of that, some stuff that doesn't really fit into a segment but should be mentioned. Uh, I do not have an update on Guardian and the Jet. Have not heard from him, them. They have not checked in. 
and and that's sad. But I do have some updates on things going on within the the the, the lives of other members of the squad. Some things are going on in the sphere. Uh, of Casino Combat, in the Casino Combat universe, if you will, just some quick updates. First up, Virginia Casino player Doug was kind enough to send me his table-by-table, machine-by-machine results from his Atlantic City trip, and he converted those uh, at my request to the same if you only earned a dollar a day standard. If you've not listened to past monthly reviews, have not heard those episodes. The idea here is that what is a little or a lot of money is different to each person. It's different for everyone. But most of us know what we earn in a day, unless we're so wealthy that we don't have to earn money in a day. We generally have a sense of that. So if you record your gambling results and then divide them by how much you earn a day, the resulting number is what you won or lost if you only earned $1 a day. And then someone else can multiply what you report to them by the number that is their earn in a day number and get a sense of how much that win or loss would impact their life, how much that amount of money would mean to them. And it doesn't matter how much you gambled and how much they gambled. We have a, a common form of reference, a, uh, a common denominator, one of my math teachers might have said. Virginia Casino player Doug did very well on his trip using Casino Combat and the core concepts. He played six winning blackjack tables and four losing blackjack tables, about right where my ratios often end up. He won money using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos at three slot machines and lost money at two slot machines. In total, he won 49 cents on the if he earned a dollar a day scale. And here's the best part for me, from my point of view. Here's the gratifying part. Doing the same calculations, he spent 50 cents on hotel, food, souvenirs, etc. for his family to enjoy three days in Atlantic City. He spent 50 cents and he won 49 cents gambling. Gambling paid for 98% of the trip for his family. How great is that? How amazingly cool is that? That they take this trip as a family, he does a little bit of gambling from that number of tables and that number of slots. He didn't wrap up a lot of time in it. And 98% of the cost of that trip was covered by his gambling. If VCPD earns a dollar a day, this trip for his family cost him two cents out of pocket. And he paid for the rest with gambling. This is exactly what Casino Combat is all about. Since day one, well, day one-ish, I've been saying that gambling can fund a part-time casino lifestyle. This is an excellent, excellent, excellent illustration of that idea. The family enjoys time at the beach and meals together. The kids get some souvenirs to remember the trip by, and a little bit of gambling covers the cost. Do that another time or two, and the casino starts to hand out comps and gifts that make it even easier to enjoy that casino lifestyle. Thanks once again to VCPD for taking the time to do the math and share his results with me so that I could share them with all of you. It's excellent to see the details and see other people get similar results to the one that Mrs. TRG and I enjoy. Next up, Gabriel and Maxine the Rat. Last week we talked about the perils of loaning money to strangers in a casino. After Gabriel managed to fall into that issue trying to help out what appeared to be a nice older lady. Well, before the long Memorial Day weekend, she had promised to pay him back on Thursday after the holiday. He saw her on Tuesday, and while you know she's good for it, 
she didn't actually have his money, and she reminded him that she was going to pay him on Thursday, not Tuesday. So Thursday, Gabriel sets up at a craps table where he can see the only entrance and exit points an older person with a walker could use easily to get to her preferred table games. He's going to see her coming and going, and she's not going to be moving that fast. She, of course, did not show up as promised to pay him back, and she didn't show up on Friday either because he and I were actually both there just in case. Gabriel heard from a pit boss who is a solid ally of ours that she may have been banned from the casino for 30 to 90 days for panhandling. The pit boss knew that there had been some type of altercation involving her on Tuesday after Gabriel spoke with her. Gabriel's still trying to verify if she's been banned or not and for how long, but the pit boss was clearly aware that she has been, air quotes, borrowing money from a variety of guests, not just Gabriel. It seems pretty unlikely at this point that Gabriel isn't going to get his money back from Maxine the Rat. But we are getting some mileage out of plotting potential, re potential revenge strategies if either of us happens to see her again. I think that ties up the various loose ends around the Casino Combat universe from previous episodes. So let's do today's Questions My Sons Ask segment, and we'll do that next. What? What? This week, my sons have been busy with things besides gambling questions, but Sammy emailed to say this. Hi, TRG. I downloaded your Slot Tactics ebook. Fred is so cute. <laughs> okay, Fred is code. I'm not sure Fred is so but cool. Fred is now cute. Um, I found some machines at my local casino that will pay progressive bonuses on any bet, and I've been using your strategy to win some money. Oh, that's great. It's not a lot, but the casino is near my house, so it's nice to be able to hang out and play some and have more money at the end of the month than I started with. That is nice. That's doing casino combat, right? You're enjoying the casino, and uh, and at the end of the month, you got more money than when you started. That is uh, That is the very definition of casino combat. So Sammy continues, what I'm wondering is, what should I do if the amount of money I win on a spin is the same as the amount of money I bet on the spin? Thanks in advance. I appreciate you taking the time to do the podcast every week. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you. Um, and actually, I, I did thank her in person. I, I sent her an email. We had some, some conversation back and forth about that. But uh, let me fill in everyone else before I get... Uh, I'm going to answer that the way I answered Sammy, but let me fill people in. If you've not downloaded the book, if you've not read the book, if you're not interested in slot machines, let me set up the background. Uh, let me certainly set up the background if you're not familiar with where this crazy idea of a slot strategy came from. For decades and decades, I believed that the house advantage on slot machines was just too large to overcome. And I basically just stayed away from slot machines unless I could win a really nice sports car and I was waiting on Mrs. TRG, I might throw in 10 bucks. But a couple of years ago, I was playing a slot machine using some free slot play that the casino had given me, and I was just kind of reading the stuff on the on the glass and, and on the screen and on the graphics as I was as I was spinning, and I realized that on that particular machine, you could win the progressive bonuses even on a minimum spin. That was new. That was something that had been introduced into slot machines since I had been ignoring them. So reading that glass, seeing that those rules had changed, that got me thinking about using the various amounts that you could bet on the machine to play a slot machine more like I would play 
blackjack, or baccarat, increasing and decreasing bets based on the outcomes of the previous wagers, progressive and regressive wagering, and having an exit strategy for both the amount of money won and the amount of money lost. Look, I knew that really couldn't work. I mean, I knew it. I'm a smart guy who has studied gambling in detail for years and years and years and years. So I knew it couldn't work. I mean, I knew that. But from time to time, when I won a decent amount of money gambling at a table game, I'd throw $100 into a slot machine and, and play this out the way I had this theory that it could work. And it seemed to work, which was impossible. I mean, it couldn't work, as I've said. I know that. I'm a smart guy. So I started writing down the results. And the results seemed to show that it worked. And my wife started trying it, and it worked for her as well. And I shared it with a couple close friends, and it seemed to work out for them as well. So as I started the podcast, the plan was not to discuss this crazy idea that couldn't possibly work as part of the podcast. It was just a little side thing that I was studying. I wasn't going to include it, but it kept getting good results. And I started to feel bad that I was not being fully transparent and sharing all the details of what I do. So I wrote an ebook called Casino Combat Slot Tactics because it was just too much and honestly, in some ways, too boring to put into an entire episode of the podcast. It would have taken more than an entire episode. To, and I didn't want to try to do that. So I explained the whole thing in detail in the book with my recorded results, put the whole thing out there, and it's available for download. Sammy got a copy of the book by sending me an email via trg at casinocombat.com, and she included the two words, slot tactics, in the subject line. That's the prompt that our email bot, Fred, who is cute apparently, used to send a link to download the book. Uh, if you'd like a copy, you're welcome to do the same thing. Send me an email, put slot tactics, two words in the subject line. Fred will hook you up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. As I said, this approach to playing slot machines involves increasing or decreasing your bet on the next spin based on if you won or lost money on previous spins and how much you won or lost. Basically, if you won more than the amount you bet on the spin, your bet goes down or remains the same. If you won less than the amount you bet on the spin, you make the same bet again or increase your bet depending on how many bets you have lost in a row. Obviously, the book has more details, but Sammy's question is, what happens if you spin, for example, $1 and win exactly $1? Is that treated as a win or a loss for the purposes of the strategy and determining the next bet? And that's an excellent question. That's a great observation. My answer to Sammy is this. We treat it as neither a win or a loss. In gambling, we call that a push. The player didn't win or lose anything. Neither did the house. It's as if the bet never happened. And that's exactly how things should be handled within the slot strategy. Just act like nothing happened and repeat the previous bet and then move your bet up or down based on the results. Simple as that. Treat it as a push, make the same bet again, then go forward with the strategy. Thank you again, Sammy. Hopefully that helps someone else who had the same question. I think that's very possible and that's a great question and I hope that answer helps. Let's talk about properly using one of the core concepts next and enjoy a bit of a uh, narrative about someone who has not been exposed to casino combat sufficiently.
Among our core concepts, we include making wagers where the house has a very small advantage and having a bankroll of money appropriate to the size wagers you are going to make. In my travels this past week, I saw one player violate both of those core concepts so badly, it was such a train wreck that I thought I'd use his play as an illustration of what not to do, to kind of reinforce these core concepts. There's a term in gambling called steaming, and PokerZone.com defines it as on tilt, upset or frustrated to an extent that causes poor decision making during gameplay. So with that definition in mind, we are going to call the protagonist in this little vignette the teapot. Mrs. TRG and I were playing blackjack this past weekend, and the teapot approached our table moving very quickly, money already in hand, before he even sat down while we were still playing the hand in progress, his money's on the table in the middle of the game. And he's annoyed when the dealer pushes his money back and says that she would make change for him as soon as the hand was finished. He bought in for $800 and immediately made a pair of $100 bets. So, from my point of view, betting way too much for the amount of money he bought in with. But I don't know what's in his pocket, so who knows? At least I don't know at this point in the story. His first hand was a 10 and a 7, making a total of 17. And his second hand was a 10 and a 3 for a total of 13. The dealer had an 8 showing. The teapot signaled for no card on either of his hands, staying Staying pat, staying with what he was given. And that caught my attention. Since standing on 13 against a dealer's 8 is a very poor play. That is a money-losing play most of the time. The dealer had 18, and the teapot lost both hands. His next bet was $200 on just one hand this time. And he stood on a 12 against a dealer's 7. Again, the wrong play, and now I'm really paying attention. I'm really watching. And he did win that hand. As I watched, I realized what he was doing. He was using a strategy called no bust, a discredited strategy, by the way, and I'm going to discredit it here once again. But this is a blackjack strategy in which the player never draws a card if they could bust their hand. So anytime their hand totals 12 or more, and there's no ace involved to make that a soft hand, they don't take a card. The concept is based on the idea that the house gains a significant advantage over the player by the player being forced to play before the dealer and losing if they bust their hand even if the dealer later busts the house's hand. The teapot bet aggressively, ranging his bets from $100 to $300, sometimes playing one hand, sometimes playing as many as three hands. His time at our table ended when he made a $200 wager and was given a pair of threes versus a dealer's eight and he decided to split them into two hands. Again, he does not know basic strategy. That was not a good choice. So he's given a seven on his first hand, but he doesn't double, which I found strange for just a second. I thought, wow, why not? But anyway, he doesn't seem to know basic strategy. And then he's given a three on his, third, on his second hand, and he hits it instead of splitting the threes to create a third hand. You would think that if it was the right choice in your mind to split threes against an eight, when you got more threes, you would split them again. But he didn't do that. He hit instead. And I realized he hadn't doubled the 10 or split the threes because he didn't have enough money left. He didn't have enough money to split his threes a third time, and he hadn't had enough money to double the 10. He lost both hands, smacked the table hard enough to make everyone else's chips bounce around, and left quickly. Our cards had not exactly gone well as we watched his play. We, we were both at a point where it was time for us to leave the table. 
And, and so we did that, and we see him at an ATM feeding in card after card and not taking any money out. So now I'm curious. And I found a slot machine and played some while I watched him battle the ATM for a while. He never got any cash, and eventually he moved on to the cage. A short time later, he left the cage, and he was power walking toward the high limit room with a big stack of bills in his fist. I didn't follow him to the high limit room. I had my own gambling to do. I had my own stuff to do. But I did see him an hour or so later walking slowly toward the exit with his head down. The teapot had boiled off all his water. It certainly appeared that way to me. I always suggest that to even attempt to have success at blackjack or baccarat or anything else at that matter, you need a bankroll that is 10 of your minimum bets as a table buy-in and that you should have enough money that you can afford to lose available to you to buy in at three tables. This size bankroll combined with the wagering strategy I've shown you allows you to have enough money available to you to make the appropriate doubles and or splits when they are needed, when they are called for by basic strategy. With a bet range of $100 to $300, the teapot's buy-in was not large enough for the bets he was making. And this became an issue when he didn't have money to double his 10 or resplit his 3s. It became an issue when he didn't have enough money to buy in again. He also seemed pretty desperate to get more money after the first table. So his preparation appears to have been poor, and I'm hoping I'm wrong, but a gambler moving from an ATM without getting money to then go to the cage usually indicates to me that that gambler is about to take a cash advance on a credit card. And that's usually expensive. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully he was just going to the cage to get a debit transaction larger than the ATM would allow. That could be it. Hopefully that was it. But clearly the teapot didn't enter the casino with money he could afford to lose appropriate to the wagers he was planning to make. But what about that no bust strategy that he was using? I said it's been discredited. I said I was going to discredit it. So what about this strategy? I mean, the strategy on its surface, it seems to make sense. If you don't bust before the dealer plays, then they can bust and they can pay you. Maybe that removes some of the house's advantage in playing last. Maybe that is a good idea. No, it does not lower the house's advantage. And no, it's not a good idea. How do I know? Well, I'll show you the math in just a minute. But I know it does not work for a reason other than the math. We don't have to understand the math. We will in a minute, but we don't have to understand the math to know why this isn't the right strategy. If this was the right strategy, the basic strategy chart would tell us it was the correct play. It's just as simple as that. Basic strategy is determined by computers who over years and years and years, almost over my entire lifetime, have played millions and millions of hands, and they've played them in a variety of ways, every possible way, and it has been determined based on the outcome of those hands the best way to win the most money when playing that specific combination of cards. If you want your best chance to win, you do what the calculations, what the computer simulations have determined is the best way to play. If, for example, standing on a 12 when the dealer has an 8 showing was the way to win money more times than taking a card, the results used to create the strategy chart would tell you to do that. The strategy chart would tell you that's the correct play to make. Since that is not what the strategy card says, by definition, that is the wrong play. However, let's be fair, let's keep a promise, 
as I just said a few moments ago, let's look at the math. Obviously, a total of 16 gives you the greatest risk of drawing a card that busts your hand. Your chance of busting is 61%, and your chance of improving your hand and staying in the game is 39%. Yes, you have almost a 2 in 3 chance of busting and losing immediately if you take a card. But if you don't take a card, you will lose the hand 70% of the time. Here's the reality. When you have a total of 16 and the dealer is showing a 7, 8, 9, 10, Jack, Queen, King, or an Ace, you are probably going to lose the hand. But your best chance of winning, a 9% better chance of winning, is to draw a card. Playing not to bust, as the teapot was, is simply causing yourself to lose more hands than you should lose. We're going to have a moment of Casino Wisdom in the next segment, but let me remind you here of Casino Wisdom number 53. When playing blackjack, playing incorrectly on purpose is gambling to lose on purpose. We can all hope that the teapot finds this podcast at some point, but in the meantime, we can all learn from what he did not know. We can have an adequate bankroll of money when we walk into the casino based on the bets we are going to make. And if we are going to play blackjack, we can play using the correct basic strategy chart to push that house advantage number as low as possible. Let's all use what we know that the teapot did not know. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do a quick moment of casino wisdom next. Casino Wisdoms number 22 and number 23 teach us to always play free slot play if it is available to us and to always play our free and or match bets at the tables and to be strategic in doing so. If you would like a list of all the Casino Wisdoms and their numbers and the first episode where they were discussed, Fred the email, email bot will send you a download link. And you can get that link if you send me an email and include the two words, get wisdom, in the subject line. I ran into an interesting promotion this week that prompted the question in my mind, what if you were given a choice between the two types of free wagers? And here's how that happened. If I travel south and west of my home about five and a half hours, there is a wonderful Caesars property, part of the Caesars Entertainment Group, and the promotion they were running on Sunday had an interesting structure, a somewhat unique structure. If you earned five tier credits between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., you could go to the ballroom from 2 p.m. until 8 p.m. and receive a toolbox, or $20 in free slot play, or $20 as a free bet at a table game. I really liked the structure of this promotion and the option of money to gamble with instead of the gift. It gives me choices as the player, and I appreciate that. And this whole earn some amount of tier credits requirement is something that I'm seeing more and more often. More and more casino brands are doing this. And for me, it kind of on, depends on what number they put on it. Five tier credits in Caesars Entertainment, in their brand, Five tier credits is a really no, low number. That's not hard to get. You can get that gambling less than what the toolbox would cost. That's not hard to do. 
So it appears to me that what they are simply trying to do is they're trying to eliminate a player who lives nearby or is driving through the area. They park, walk in, claim their gift, and leave. And that's not an unreasonable position for the casinos to take. That if you're going to pick up a free gift, even one that you've earned by gambling at previous visits, they'd like you to do some gambling. I do object to the idea of spending $1,000 through a slot machine to get a $10 gift card. And I see that option at my local casino, and I think that's ridiculous. We should not encourage or incentivize someone to gamble $1,000 to get a $10 gift card. But a small amount of gambling before receiving a gift, that, that seems fair to me. Obviously, we can all make our own choices. Honestly, even though I took some time off midday to take Mrs. TRG and go do some touristy stuff in the area outside the casino, I had more than five points before the promotion started at 2 o'clock. I had already earned that doing a little gambling in the morning with her before we went to be tourists. The toolbox made a lot of sense when you looked at the full promotion calendar for the month. If you returned every Sunday, you would add tools to the toolbox and a dust buster and the whole thing would round out. But the reality is, we don't need an empty toolbox. Yes, it would go into the opportunity corner in the basement. Yes, it would probably get turned into something for someone in some way at some point. And it would have, if it would have been the only option, that's what we'd have done. We'd have taken the gift, we'd have said thank you, and we'd have put it in the opportunity corner in the basement. But money to gamble with was more attractive to me in this situation than a toolbox. So, is a free table bet or a free slot play the better choice? I decided to go with the slot play. My thinking was that a table bet is a one-time 50-50 bet. One bet. And I was either going to finish with nothing or with an extra $20. But the free slot play would provide multiple bets and multiple chances to win a lot more than just $20. And we know from past experience that using TRG Slot Strategy 1, I could have made those multiple bets and ended up with a lot less than $20. But all things being equal, I think that is always the choice that makes sense for me. Multiple bets with multiple outcomes and multiple chances to win uh, a, more, a more significant, a larger amount of money. It worked out well this time. I used the $20 of free slot play as 10 $2 bets and pocketed almost $40 using TRG slot strategy number one. As with all, thing, all things gambling, the most important thing is to have a plan if you are given a choice between two types of money to gamble with and to stick with that choice, to make that decision outside the moment. I'm going to pick slot play until I find some reason not to. And if I find that reason, I'll share that thinking with you as well. I did a bunch of rambling and gambling this past week. Let me share those with results with you next. Let's do a travel segment. I had a busy week this week gambling-wise. I had a busy week this week in other ways, but I had a busy week this week gambling-wise. Early in the week, I had a client appointment near one of the slots-only casinos in town. Um, not the not the the MGM one. There's actually a uh, a local casino uh, slot only place at one of the racetracks, and I was in the area, so I stopped in, played some free slot play, won almost the entire amount they gave me from playing the slot machine, and then had a comp lunch with a food uh, food comp that they gave me. Nothing special, but if I earned a dollar a day, it was about eight cents in free money and free food. A meal I was going to pay for somehow and eat some way and some extra money in my pocket in cash. On Thursday, I stopped by my local casino to see if Maxine the Rat would show up and pay Gabriel the money she owed him. Uh, to perhaps act as a bit of an intimidation factor if that might have been helpful to him. 
I had a nice long run at the blackjack table and a winning slot machine play. I got to watch Gabriel throw a five-point fire bet at the craps table, which paid him really well. Fun to see him do well. Fun to see him use his skills. I stopped back on Friday to get more Maxine the Rat details and to see if she'd show up. And I also stopped back because they were offering triple-tier credits this month on Wednesdays and Fridays. A chance to get a lot more tier credits to really ramp that up. I felt like I could use some of the money I won playing blackjack earlier in the week to play some craps and really rack up some points. Maybe position myself to level up with that system before the earning period ends at the end of this month. I won a few bucks playing craps, lost about the same back playing blackjack, so really a wash in terms of the results, but the points were very good. I, I would actually take that trade off if I could accomplish that a couple more times, I might level up. On Saturday, Mrs. TRG and I left on the five-and-a-half-hour drive south and west to the Caesars Entertainment property that I mentioned earlier. It's a property we really like. Everything we uh, we needed a property, I guess, except uh, no wait staff yet at the tables. Waiting, waiting for that state to open that up a little bit. But this is the property that was really good. It's been really good for us as a, a two-night stop. Uh, we used it on 4th of July last year. I think we were there on Labor Day last year as well. Very much, this is a case of planning around your promotions. They were willing to comp us most of Saturday night's room charge. They were willing to fully comp us on Sunday night's room. But they wanted a good bit more to stay Friday night. So, since school's out for summer, staying until Monday was just a better choice for us. It was a better way to use our promotions. We got some extra free bets on Monday, as well as the gift and the free play on Sunday. And normally we would not stick around till two o'clock on a Sunday. That just doesn't make sense. By the time you finish the promotion, get in the car, drive back. We're just getting home way later than we want to get back on a trip like that, if at all possible. In addition to the hotel room comps and partial comps and the gift free play, we had a meal comped at our choice of a couple of restaurants uh, on any day of our stay. And each of us had some form of free bet each day that we were there. Wonderful trip. After expenses, we won a little money on the trip, and as a team, with the other money that I won, we finished the week up about two days' pay after the expenses. Fun, long weekend away, a cash profit after paying a small amount for the room, enjoying room service, and running up a bit of a bar tab on Saturday night. And, of course, we got to experience the teapot. So, a great week all the way around. An absolutely wonderful week, made money, lived that casino lifestyle. That's what I'm trying to do each and every week, or at least each and every month. All right, uh, let's wrap up with a quick story in the VIP lounge. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Casino Combat VIP lounge, where we always have the best imaginary everything almost all the time. Once in a while, the imaginary barback makes an imaginary mistake, but otherwise, we're good most of the time. If you are driving or working out, pour yourself an imaginary something mentally. Otherwise, please pour a real something and join me. And I will today. Today I'm going to be having the handcrafted artisanal still water. That seems to be the best choice. I've got some uh, real world, not virtual stuff that I need to do a bit later. But uh, what I wanted to share with you today was that years ago in Las Vegas, rental cars were often cheap, valet parking was free, Uber didn't exist, and the cabs were expensive, and the cab drivers would tend to drive you way out of your way to run up the bill. So we would often rent a car and bounce around the strip from casino to casino. 
And one evening we went to see Cirque du Soleil at the Bellagio. And we were playing some blackjack afterwards and doing fairly well. The drink service was excellent, as you would expect. And what was interesting to me in that moment at that particular time was that the glassware was several steps above the typical plastic cup or boring generic industrial glassware that was standard up and down the strip at that time in most of the casinos. At one point, I even made the observation to Mrs. TRG that it was such a distinctive drink glass that I was tempted to steal it. Not that I would have. When it comes down to outright just stealing from casinos, I'm solidly on the hero side of the hero crook spectrum that we often discuss and talk about. In any event, we finished up the blackjack table just as the waitress brought me another drink. So I'm sipping as we head to ballet, and we realize that given the size of Bellagio and the fact that we're not really super familiar with it, we're kind of a bit turned around and not sure exactly where the valet is. So we ask a security guard for directions, and after asking us what color ticket we had to determine which of two valets, didn't know they had two, but he sorted it out based on color. He knew which of the two valets we'd parked in, and he pointed us in the right direction. So after thanking him, as we're turning away, I remarked to Mrs. TRG that we should stop off to the side so I could finish the drink, my drink before we left. And the security guard says, oh, as long as the driver isn't holding the drink, just take it with you. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Um, so he'd just given me permission to steal the glass that I had just joked about stealing a short time before. So I finished my drink, dumped the ice, went to the men's room, wiped out the glass, and took the glass with me. I enjoyed it for years, uh, for quite a long time, before it was destroyed in an unfortunate dishwasher run amok accident. But I always appreciated the Bellagio's generosity. I mean, how do they make money if they just give away glasses like that? Um, uh, that's pretty obvious, right? Uh, many people don't know how to gamble well or hustle comps well, and the casinos do just fine. That's why gamblers like, like us, who know how to gamble well, and know how to hustle comps, can do just fine, and they don't care. Everyone else takes care of the losing on our behalf. And that does bring me to a sad side note to conclude this episode. Uh, one of the best things about my local casino has been the VIP lounge. Before the pandemic, the regulars and the bartenders were a very, very tight group. In fact, in the spirit of this segment and our story today, we were such a close group that at one point, boxes and boxes and boxes of new stemless martini glasses were delivered. I remarked on this, and banker Eric, one of my favorite bartenders, remarked that I should get some before they were gone. They had been walking out the door like crazy. Uh, so Mrs. TRG, at some point in our, in our afternoon of hanging out there, remarked that it might be nice to have a couple of those glasses. They were really nice glasses. So as we were leaving, banker Eric washed two of the glasses and packaged them for us to take home with us. We still have them. They have not been lost in a horrific uh, dishwasher incident. I am really going to miss that VIP lounge. Obviously, it's been closed for the better part of a year, but uh, it will not be reopening. That's, uh, that's the word on the street, and I've heard it consistently from several people that I trust. Management has decided that regular guests that gamble a lot do not need the benefit of a VIP lounge to relax and take a break in. So that benefit of being at the third or fourth tier in their very difficult, very aggressive toward the player reward system has been taken away. In fact, there's not a whole lot of benefit to the third or the fourth tier in their re reward system that I can see at this point. The former VIP lounge will now open only on Friday, Saturday nights as a club 
for any guest, and I, I get it, I guess, but I will miss that lounge and, and that group of people, both both the, the staff and, uh, and the other guests. It existence would have been a reason for me, it would have been a motivation for me to prioritize being back in that third tier in their system again. It was one of the few consistent benefits we enjoyed using and using regularly. Fortunately, I will continue to get to enjoy our virtual VIP lounge and do that with all of you each and every episode. If you are playing the casino chip game, there are 10 of them in this episode of the podcast. At least by the time we get to the end, there will be. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Remember your casino wisdoms. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share the podcast with your family and friends, everyone. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I always do.